Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Hour number two is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Uh, if you missed hour one of the program, another fire appearance from Yannick Hansen. What else is new? Not much here on Fridays. Uh, he's about as consistent as the Canucks are. <laughs> Just that the Canucks are like the bad kind of inconsistent, and Yannick is the good kind of inconsistent. What you're saying is Yannick has the good habits. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes. I think I phrased that wrong, but... You know, we'll, we'll just Made leave it, it in the like you're mirror. crapping on Yannick. Yeah, I think I did by accident. <laughs> a little bit. It was like a backhanded compliment. In English, uh, the Canucks are the bad kind of consistent, and uh, Yannick Hansen is the good kind mm. of consistent. Uh, all right. So, yeah, you can check that out on the first hour of the podcast. I'll also talk about uh, Elias Pettersson's great start, if he's leveling up or not, and uh, Bo Horvat, if his uh, early season goal scoring is sustainable and what that number could look like by the end of the season, over or under 40. You can find that on the first hour of the podcast. Always subscribe and leave a review. It's Friday, so let's bring in Josh Elliott-Wolf, producer of this fine program, and get to your questions in the mailbag. Yes, we will start with one that came in yesterday from uh, Deedlebug. Yeah, really good one. Uh, I like when questions come in early uh, on on Twitter. It's a good way to ensure that we will get to them. Yes. As long as they're good. (laughs) Make sure they're good. Yes. Uh, So the question is, Bieksa talks about perfecting your role. It made me wonder, do the current Canucks players know their role? And more importantly, have they accepted that role? I feel like Dwayne Johnson, like The Rock, know your role and shut your mouth. Yeah. Shut your mouth and know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a great question. It's yeah. hard to answer from the outside. I think one thing that is clear, though, and you see this from Boudreaux when he talks about certain players, whether it's Niels Hoagland or somebody else. What are you going to be as a player? Yeah. Do you know what your role is? What your identity is? What what it is you need to do to be successful? Like, what is the best version of you as a player? Yeah. Is it going to be a point scorer or are you going to be something else? And I think there are a couple of guys, Hoaglander being one, even put Colson to some degree. He, you know, he's playing a bit less, and that's that's probably not too uncommon for young players trying to establish themselves. Up front, though, and from the veteran players, I think they already know who they are, don't we? Yeah. Uh, they they do, you know. Do they yeah. understand their roles? I mean, hey, it, maybe that is uh, part of the issue in that. Hey, uh, you need to be better on the PK yeah uh can, can you learn those things a lot of them have similar skills they're good on the power play we've seen that consistently from this group but are you improving your five on five game what do you need to do that um but not so much with those players sat but what about uh Brock Besser mm-hmm. now I know we haven't seen him because of injury this year we talked to him in the preseason about you know, his role on the net front of the power play. And, you know, he made it pretty clear, like it's not the most comfortable position for him. The reality is you're not going to play on the left flank. Yeah. Are you doing the most that you can do to be the best version of yourself in that net front spot? Um, Kuzmenko, I'm sure, you know, he's used to playing the left flank as he did in, uh, in Russia on the power play and being the shooter on his off wing there. He's learned how to play the net front role, and he's done a pretty decent job with it. 
so far. Uh, so I think it's it, every player on there uh, on the team has to figure out, you know, how I can give an extra two percent, as I like to say, to help the team win. Yeah, that and understanding overall what your responsibilities are as a leader, as an established player. You know, that's the other part well, of it too. Yeah, and and Luke Shen's probably a, a, a perfect example mm-hmm. for this. Like, hey, I, I, maybe I'm never going to live up to my fifth overall draft status. But how do I make the best version of myself as I can? And he's put in the work mm-hmm. with Adam Oates and with everybody else that he's he's done work with over the last number of years. And he's turned out to be a fine stay-at-home defenseman. Sure, it helps. He's playing with Quinn Hughes. But he knows exactly what he needs to do for that pair to have success. And that's why it works. And that's yeah. why Quinn Hughes it has been the best version of himself when Luke Shen is next to him. Yeah. Uh, this one from Jabo. The same that was used last night was low event hockey, and for a decent portion of that game, the Canucks were able to play that style while also creating offensively. Is this a style that can play consistently and find success against the best and the worst in the NHL? Wait, that, that was that was last night. I think maybe for the for <laughs> first the first period. part. The first period was pretty low event. Uh, it was 1-1, two power play goals, uh, one going each way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't describe that as, as low event hockey. I think the, the early part of that game was, you know, two teams that have struggled to start the season kind of, you know, trying to find their way. You know, yeah, I don't disagree about that. One thing the Canucks have done a good job of, even against Anaheim at even strength, they didn't give up a ton of scoring chances yeah now the previous game against new jersey for the first half of that game it was pretty good they weren't allowing a ton of scoring chances and then you know we kind of fell and apart the fell and, off, and, yeah. and, and everything kind of went sideways against pittsburgh they did a really good job limiting scoring chances last night against anaheim some bad moments the pk of course is a problem and that's where a lot of their issues came but they only allowed five high danger scoring chances chance shot attempts that's it five which is pretty so good, pretty for, good. For, a, for the entirety of the game on even strength. There's a power plays, of course, but to the point, they were a bit more low event in what they've been allowing, but yeah. it doesn't mean it's been very clean all the time, though. But yeah, it's it's a good observation. They are allowing less than they have earlier in the season. Uh, it's, it's not so much about, or hasn't been as much about the amount they allow for me. It's the type that they allow, and yeah. it's the cross slot passes that we see so often the odd man rushes you know i think uh, there was a stat going around twitter the other day about john marino and how he has successfully defended a bunch of odd man rushes in a row i'm like i'm not sure who's keeping that stat i don't know if it's real or not but yeah you know he, he did it against the canucks well and uh, Cheech actually mentioned this with us yesterday. You look at how Quinn Hughes defends an odd man rush mm-hmm. compared to a Tyler Myers or an Oliver Ekman Larson, and you can see why one player has more success than the others. Yes, you know Myers and, and OEL. Like sometimes you're watching them, like what? What are you doing diving? You're just taking yourself out of the play. Take completely. one away, either force. Yeah, like take something away. Take the shot away or take the pass away. Yeah, you know, and sometimes you kind of get stuck in the middle, and then the goalie doesn't know where to commit, and then you get the pass going across, and there's nothing a goalie can do going east to west in that point. So I think there's still uh, th- they could still do a good job of like taking out some of those types of chances, but um, in the overall, maybe not as bad as some of the goals against have looked at times. Mm-hmm. Tim, the do the Canucks go back to Spencer Martin? Do they ride him until they lose? 
They're going to Demko tomorrow. Yes. They're not going to ride Spencer Martin until they lose. It's not happening. They should go to Demko. I know he's got the the crazy stat now, of like what nine games? They'll never lose in regulation they, if they've he's not lo- lost with in regulation with Spencer Martin in, in goal. Never lose again, and that's great. Um, he was he, he wasn't he wasn't good enough last game for you to be like, oh, you got to go back to him. If he pitched a shutout or something, you're like, all right, you know what, let's ride it. He he allowed five goals. The, the the biggest thing about this is that the coaching staff has confidence putting Martin in there. Yeah. You know, and that, sure. to, you know, to be able to spell Demko for 20 to 25 games this year, maybe more, that I think is valuable if the Canucks are going to uh, go on a run a little bit and get back into a playoff hunt. The entire game, he faced seven high-quality scoring chance shot attempts. Yeah. Not a ton, and he allowed five goals. Could be, could be better. Yes. All right. D, is OEL playing through an injury, or is his play just dropping off? Man, I hope it's an injury, but I'm not so sure. I, I, I do think he's somewhat labored with something, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can point to that, Dan, and say that's the reason he's struggling. Is yeah. he in good enough shape even? Like, he looks like he labors a lot, and that could be injury-wise, but he hasn't looked up to speed at any point in this season, even in training camp and stuff. And you thought, okay, it's training camp, it's preseason, vets don't take it too seriously sometimes, they kind of just skate through it. You sort of give veterans yeah. a little bit of leeway, like, this guy knows what he needs to do to be ready for the season. And he'll gear up type of deal? I, I wonder, I don't know. Like, it's either you're not in good enough shape, which poses a lot of questions about where mm-hmm. you're at, which I hope it's not the case. If it's injuries, that's a problem, but has your game diminished so much? that you can play through injuries effectively. Because the best hockey players are, are find a way, or high, the high-paid ones, find a way to still be effective if they're playing through injuries. But if your game is diminished so much, you can't be as effective when you're hobbled or slowed down, it's a problem. And right now, whatever the reason is, OEL is having a hard time overcoming it. Yes, he's got some points, but he's not playing well. He really isn't. One uh, interesting note from last night, OEL and Ethan Bear played the most minutes at 5-on-5 no. five five for the Canucks. And I will say, I liked Ethan Bear a lot last night. He so, was good? Yeah. Uh, even on the PK, I thought he was all right. They gave up that late goal to Troy Terry, but yeah, wasn't much <laughs> in it on the on the actual penalty killers there. Daily Fantasy Sports Talk. Do you think not playing Rathbone is going to cause friction in the relationship and he may eventually ask out? Um, the friction, I believe, is there already. Yeah. And I don't mean so much that like, he's so pissed and he wants to trade. Like, I don't think it's at that stage. But I think there's already been discussions. I know Dollywall mentioned this, too, with this camp and the Canucks kind of wondering, okay, what's going on with this guy? I know Chris Gear even mentioned on Twitter that from his experience, when a guy like this doesn't get into the lineup, it usually leads to a lot of discussions with his camp about what are we doing here? What's going on? Because he's not young anymore. No. You know I mean? Yeah, he's young. He's 23 years old. But we're not talking about a player who's 21 you know, maybe 22, finally getting a chance. Like, it's kind of like he's looking at it and saying, it's time for me to play. Yeah. And if it's not, if you guys don't believe in me, then maybe I need to go somewhere else. I don't think it's gotten to that point yet, but it's hard for his camp to, I think, feel good about how he fits in here when he's continually usurped by below average players, let's be honest. Yes. You know, like, it's not like Riley Stillman is crushing it. I thought he was okay last game. He wasn't terrible. I think there are certain moments guys have where they're okay or whatever, but he's not being beaten out by by a legitimate top four high-end defenseman. He's being beaten out by journeymen and guys that don't play a ton. I, uh... Like, Rathbone doesn't have much uh, choice, really, here. No. You know, he doesn't have much uh, of a play. Sure, he can ask for a trade, I guess, if it gets to that point. 
but the Canucks have his control. He's waivers eligible. Yeah. You know, there's not a not a ton Rathbone can do in this situation. I think he should be playing over Riley Stillman. We've made that very clear, Sat, <laughs> over the last couple of days that we both feel that way. Um, it's not happened. And with news today that Travis Dermott might join the team on the road trip next week, you're starting to wonder, like... Where is he going to fit in? Wh- like, when is he even going to get an opportunity in the lineup? And if that happens, if Dermott comes off LTIR, you know, does Rathbone have to be the casualty that goes down to Abbotsford? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... And that could even... More. It could. At least you're playing. At least you're playing. At least you're playing. He has a one-way deal, so he's going to get paid no matter what. Yes. But, yeah. It's tough. TB tough situation. Is Connor Garland a long-term fit in Vancouver? Ooh. I have to answer it. I'll say no. <laughs> Man, I don't know why nobody likes short guys on this team. It's not about, it's not <laughs> about liking. That's what it is. That's what yep. it is. Yes, that's, that's what it is. I mean... It could have to do with the fact that there's a redundancy in that type of winger making five million. <laughs> I'd, right? I'd, I'd like to think Boudreaux would be like you know supportive of fellow short guys, but clearly he's not because he brings it up at every opportunity. <laughs> you know, if he was bigger, uh, I look. I, I'd love for it him to be a fit here, um, but the. Evidence is starting to point in a way that it may not be a fit long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they want to make changes to this roster, and let's I, just yeah, let's say that it, let's say we rank players in terms of who they would like to move out first. Like if they had their way, let's yeah. rank the players real quick. Let's do like you know three or four of them. Who's number one? Tanner Pearson. OEL probably. OEL? Yeah, the contract's onerous. If they had their way, like they would love to move. Like yeah. he would probably come okay, to number so I, one. Okay, so I, I chose you know to I mean? put uh, like uh, I put a realist spin on it because yes. of his no move clause yeah, yeah. and the contract is very difficult to move. OEL, but yeah, if if they were able to, OEL would be number one on the list. Yes. Number two on the list is probably Connor Garland. Really? Yeah. I mean, as much as they want to move Pearson, it, but it's like two years. It's this year and next year. There are ways around it, right? Myers, one more year left on it. I think they look at the Garland one and say, I don't know if we want to do, you know, three more years of this beyond this season. I, so I think if you look at I think it, it would from be between picture, Garland and Besser. I think, yeah, you can make I think the they'd case. like to move one or the like. Yeah, I think they like to move one or the other. But if you look at the priority of how they get utilized, it's clear that Besser they yeah. view him as the more important player. At least the coaching staff has and deployment and everything, and they, and they sign him back to that three-year deal, giving him you know a, a significant raise and everything. So I would say those two are number one and two. Number three, you can make the case maybe Brock Besser. Yeah. But I say the one, the number one and two players, this organization, if they had their way, they could move, would be those two players. I just don't get it. They need more players that can drive play at five on five. Sure, I get it. But, like, he's a winger. Yeah. Who's not really a power play guy. Not a penalty kill guy. Not a penalty kill guy. They should try more on the penalty kill. Yeah, maybe they should. But, like, it's, it's again, it comes down to the fit <laughs> the fit stuff here. Uh, uh, any more? No. Nope. I'm just you want to defend <laughs> him a little bit more? <laughs> disappointed. He's, uh. he's like the, he's, you know, he looks like Johnny Canuck. You know, they got to keep him around. <sighs> Uh, it's info- not a reason to keep him around. I'm sorry. <laughs> In- info kid. Is there a place for both Besser and Hoaglander on the team? Yes. There is a place, yes. Um, it's on the wing. It's on the wing. Yes, Honestly, exactly. like, Hoaglander is a perfectly fine third-line winger. He is. He is. But, you know? but, but I think what the point is here, and, and I understand what the point is, does Does Hoaglander move the needle a ton? No. Does Besser move the needle if he's not scoring? No. 
do they need more size and speed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Neither guy brings a ton of. Like, Bester's not a small guy, six feet, right, two hundred pounds, but he's not super fast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still like there's a place on the, on the team for them. Yes. Yeah. But I think ideally, you can understand why they're trying to move some of these guys out. Yeah. You look at right, look at the good teams around the league, and I don't want to do the you know Neanderthal hockey thing. But size and speed matters. Yeah. You look around the good teams around the league right now that have size and speed, they're very hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Vancouver doesn't have enough of it. No. And you have having a lot of guys that aren't big, aren't fast. I don't know. Like, the Knicks isn't perfect. Well, that really stood out for Stadnika yesterday. Yeah. And even Joshua, to a certain extent, has started to find himself in a, in a fourth-line role. But Stadnika was much better in his second game as a Canuck than he was in his first. Through a couple of hits. He just, you know, he looked fast on the forecheck, threw some hits. Uh, you saw the size-speed combo, but, like, he does feel like another, just like, just a guy playing yeah. in the bottom six, you know? Mm-hmm. But Drew. those types of attributes. <laughs> Drew, if you could only keep one of Horvat or Miller, who would you choose and why? Miller sign. I'd choose Miller over, over Bo. I've said this before. Um, and the thing is, I think... Miller's production is more sustainable and has been and has been a better producer at 5-on-5 and this team doesn't have enough of those guys so if I'm choosing I go with that guy over him but really both guys are imperfect and I don't like the idea of signing both choose one and move on with your life Uh, we, we had this discussion back at the end of last season it's always been Miller for me he scored 99 points last year as good as Horvat was last season Miller was still far better and because of the point totals. And I like truly I do think Miller in the overall is a more impactful player. Even if it is somewhat similar and it's not a huge difference, to me Miller is the guy. Uh, I felt that last year. I still feel that yeah. way today. And if you're evaluating the first 11 games of the season, Miller hasn't been as good as Bo Horvat. No. But again, like if you're making these type of assessments, you're making it on a long-term play. And you don't get, you're not going to change your opinion on five or 10, 15 game samples. You do it over the longer run. And yeah, a lot of the Bo fans right now are saying, this is why they should have <laughs> traded JT and kept Bo Horvat. And we'll see how that discussion looks, what that discussion looks like in a couple of months when uh, the scoring changes. Give me, give me 82 games of Miller versus Pittsburgh. Like, and, where's that, where's that JT? And I've at? maintained all along the guy you get more for in trade is Bo Horvat. Yeah. That is something we've talked about a yes. lot. All right. JL, is it too early to say losing Shaw and Walker for Yo and Cull is a negative? Uh, yes. I don't think it's too soon to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they did better on the PK and they were better with their overall team play last year with those guys there. Yeah. And it's been worse so far. To your point, though, some of the system stuff takes some time. The PK I just worry about because it just looks horrible. I do it think that bad might. last year. It did, but once they changed things up a little bit, it looked a bit better. And I know they say they're not doing the same thing. They're doing the same things they did last year. Yeah. But I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, did maybe you, on the PK. Yeah. I wonder how realistic it was to be able to keep Shaw. Well, hey, 100%. Like I, it's not about I, signing blame. Yeah. It's about the results of it. Yeah. Um, Shaw is a bit of a PK savant, so I, I, I can definitely see that. Um. The, the call thing, we've we've talked about this. <laughs> um, you know, he was the coach in, in the AHL last year. Uh, they wanted to make a change there, and they decided to make call a part of the NHL coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So 
Doesn't mean he's a bad coach, but so far the results haven't been very good on the defensive side of the puck. Though that's as much personnel as it is anything else. Mm -hmm. Vicky, Super Bowl predictions. Oh, God. Uh, Super Bowl predictions. Not the Kansas City Chiefs. Really? Yeah. Why are you so scared of them? Not the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't want them or you don't think they will? Because I know that's what Vicky wants us to say. Oh, she wants us to say that. Uh, I'm going Buffalo Bills and Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys? Early early 90s 90s rematch. I love it. I love it. Uh, Cowboys. I wish we could see them getting there. Um... So I will go. I'll go with the Chiefs. Yeah. Can't do the Bills. I'll do the Chiefs. Man, the NFC is a complete cluster. <laughs> you know what? I Just mean, go Chiefs, Eagles. Come no, on. You know Eagles. you want to. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I do not, Dan. Stop telling me what I want. They're still undefeated. <laughs> How do you not want the Eagles? I don't. How did both of us not pick the Eagles? We're scared. There ain't no. Too terrified. Too terrified. Cakewalk of a schedule. Minnesota. You're going Minnesota? Yeah. Take the Vikings, coward. You know what? Uh, Josh in his Viking sweater said. Yeah. It's a nice sweater, by the way, Josh. Thank you. I like it. It's uh, it's comfy. Is it vintage? It's or? Well, it's the look of vintage. The look of vintage. You know what I can't believe? Uh, like the, the price that some of these like vintage sports shirts go for. I wish I had kept them all as a kid, you know? I was walking through Seattle like a month ago, and we stepped in on this... Uh, on this like vintage farmers market right. shop <laughs> in Fremont, and they were selling like old Mariners like Griffey T-shirts and Edgar Martinez <laughs> T-shirts for like forty-five bucks. I'm like, who's who's paying for this? Should I kept it? <laughs> it's like old and raggedy. You're like about to cut it up and use it as like a dish rag. You know, it's like what's going on here? Uh, all right, so uh, I will go with Kansas City, and I'll go with Tampa Bay. Let's see the Bucks. Tampa Bay. Yeah. You know they're three and five on the season. Right? I know. I was gonna pick them with the Packers. Okay. But I'm, I'm not going with the Packers. You you're gonna pick the Packers? I was gonna. Sad. I, I'm saying what's gonna happen in NFC, right? I'm 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 calling it right now. Three and five teams are gonna end up being amongst the favorites by the time we get to the end of the season. Okay. Sure, maybe some of them. Bucks are there, and I know you hate Green Bay because you're a Vikings fan. Well, I just don't think they look that good. No, they year. haven't, but they'll. I mean, there's enough there for them to figure be better than what they are. Uh, I would say Niners, Bills. Niners. 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 Wow. Okay. Uh, AJ, top three Doritos flavors. Cool Ranch number one. Well, how many how many Doritos flavors are there? Cool I, Ranch. I meant to Google this before because I could only think of two. Yeah, exactly. Cool Ranch and like regular Tostitos. There was oh, the there's Doritos. so many Doritos there's flavors. Spicy man. Doritos. There's, there's flaming hot. There's flaming hot. There's ketchup. 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 No, no, no. You can't do ketchup tortilla chips. Okay, well, I'm just I'm just going in order. There's mustard like, in here. What is wrong? They with have uh, bold barbecue. Zesty cheese. There is the nacho cheese flavor, which is the uh, OG. Nacho cheese. Yeah, Cool Ranch is is easily my favorite though. Yeah, I, honestly, I can't. Sweet even do chili three. heat is okay. I can't do all. Th- I can't even give you three. I'll give I'll give you the original, the cheese one, and uh, Cool Ranch, and that's it. That's all I got. I can't Jalapeno give you and cheddar. No, I like the pack. Cool Ranch chips. has to be like one of the most underrated chip flavors of all time. Underrated? Yeah. I don't know about that. Cool Ooh. Ranch is incredible. 
It's okay. You don't Overrated. Like cool Ranch? No. Overrated. Who overrates Cool Ranch? You. You <laughs> and multiple other people. <laughs> also, we got a text. Sweet Chili Heat. That's probably my favorite uh, Doritos flavor. Mm. It's in the black bag. That's a good one. I've seen people like uh, you know crush up their Doritos and use it as like a, a breading for like their chicken strips on TikTok. Mm. That looks fantastic. Yeah. That Anytime like- I try a TikTok thing, though, it goes <laughs> Horribly wrong. <laughs> I thought you made like some chicken burger so, in your air fryer. Yeah, that the, was great. There's a couple things that have worked well. A chicken burger that not air fryer related, but it's just <laughs> like a chicken burger that tasted really good. Okay. I tried to make this dessert that it, it was like Reese's filled pretty much the yep. other day. It did not work out. And uh, I had to throw away quite a bit of food. I felt Ooh, really bad. That's about really it. bad. That's really bad. Felt I, bad. I, I've had that. I mean, I tried to make. Um, I'm, I'm trying to have some vegan or vegetarian meals, and I tried to do the replacement sausage a couple of years ago. Ruined. It was so bad. Beyond meat or whatever. Beyond, or whatever. Yeah, beyond meat sausages. And I'm 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 cool with the plant based stuff. Mm-hmm. But the one I got was smelled so bad, and it made the pasta sauce smell so bad that I, just, <laughs> I, you know, Could when you make it. something, it, it it just makes you like. It's such a turnoff. You literally can't eat it. That's what happened. And it sucked because it's like this is, you know, 30, 40 bucks worth of food I just made. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really <laughs> tough. I've <laughs> um, seen. Matt and Abby, would you rather pay a $2,000 fine for doing something stupid or spend the weekend in jail for doing something epic? So weekend in jail for doing something fun. Or two thousand dollar fine for doing something. Ooh, can I stupid. keep my job if I go to the? To well, jail we'll the assume weekend. both. You get to keep your job. No one here ever finds out or whatever. All right. Well, if that's the case, you do something epic. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. If I, you know, I sure. guess. This I mean, is either more way, of a you're getting hit. Like, do you think your time over a weekend is In- worth two thousand dollars? Well, it depends on depends on the what you're doing if it's worth it. Yeah. If it's true. epic, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the word epic me to mean epic, which yeah. is. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Maybe I think the doing something stupid is is kind of fun though. I don't know. Like what would what would being, st- I guess uh, two thousand dollar fine for like running onto the field at a at a football game or something. Yeah, that's stupid. that would be stupid. Um, what would be epic? Going into the game and then being like, hey, you're in. Yeah. Just having a crazy weekend where you end up in the drunk tank. Like, is that what we're talking about? Maybe have too much fun. That could be fun. I mean, hey, uh, have too much fun in Las Vegas. Too much fun in the, in the. Like I said, the last thing I want to do is like if you do you have to pay for like a court appearance or anything going to court? Because <laughs> that's like if I have to pay a fine and go to jail, then maybe I don't do it. Yeah, and it can't be something worth losing your job over. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably paying that. the fine. I'm doing I'm doing something stupid and paying the fine. <laughs> uh, okay, last one we'll end with here. Oz on the post game last night, Bic said all workplaces have groups of people that maybe don't get along. Mm. Can you guys spill the tea on the Sportsnet 650 gossip? Uh, um, I will say, I think the current group, yeah, the more harmonious, is, is very amicable. <laughs> hmm. Amicable is a good word. It is that. Yeah, am- amicable. More <laughs> amicable than how it was used between uh, the Canucks and Trevor Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> Let's say that uh, I don't dislike anybody currently as much as I used to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I can't hmm. name names. There's at least two people I really don't like. Ooh. At least. Here? At least. Currently? At least. And they're yep. in the building right now. Aw, oh, man. <laughs> Guys, we don't have a lot of people in the building. <laughs> no, we don't. No. It's like 530 on Friday. <laughs> It's like three people left, and we're in this room. Are you trying to say me and Josh? <laughs> Sad. 
<laughs> he got there eventually. <laughs> Process of elimination. Yeah. I know this question people were asking about the Canucks too. Like, so what was your take on the Boudreaux thing? Oh man. It, I know we talked to Yannick about it. Okay. We joked about it on the post game show last night a little bit. So I don't. I don't know if people are gonna like this take. Oh, from Dan. Me. Are you just going to, like, dismiss it as nothing? Are you going to be it, boring? Look, it's clear that there is some um, friction in, in the Canucks locker room. I mean, they have three wins in 11 games. There I, should be friction. Yes, there should be friction. <laughs> and I think it was the same going back to last year with how poor they started the season. Guess what? Things cheered up after they started yeah. winning a bunch of games. Honestly, you're right. The, the one thing I want to say, though, is, look – it's pretty clear that there is some sort of friction. Uh, no, that shouldn't be something you can't get over. But it's a bit YOLO of Bruce Boudreaux to like <laughs> kind of spill the beans out in public and just let everybody know. <laughs> and context- no context to it. That this is actually a thing now. It, you know, like, it's a bold move by Bruce Boudreaux. That's my biggest take on this is Bruce... I, I come away thinking more about Bruce than I do about the friction in the locker room. Because yeah, I know I, I've known that there's been some stuff in there, but and, and I think it's part of the reason that this group does need some changing because, heck, you're a professional and you should be able to get over this, Sat, yeah. as we've talked about in the past. But Bruce giving it out to the media and to get, giving it out to, for everybody to kind of chomp on and have their own thoughts and opinions on it and be totally validated on it, that to me says a lot more than whatever is happening inside the locker room. Yeah, and and listen to your point. There's always been rumors about stuff, and the reason nobody ever reports on it is because a lot of it is hearsay. A lot of it is word of mouth. And if you actually ask people involved, they'll always say, "Sure, maybe we're not best friends, but it's not what you guys think it is." Yeah. You know, like when I talk to people in the room and people in the organization asking them about some of this stuff, and it's like, yeah, sure. Like, there are, you know, we have cliques and we have, you know, different groups of people that hang out or whatever, but it's not what you guys think. Like, it's, there isn't this, like, um, animosity that, that's full of tension that you can cut with a knife walking into the locker room. Like, it, it's not like that. The question, I think, more than anything is, are you able to come together as a group? And do you love winning enough yeah. to just put everything... Like, Are you together enough and unified enough as a group? And I think when you watch them play, they don't show enough unity. So I think that's the biggest question. It's not necessarily... I think it's easy and salacious to talk about who hates each other. And I know people always bring up PD versus Miller. Do these guys hate each other? They never play with each other anymore. What's going on? Well, one thing I do know is that um, Pedersen's playing the best hockey of his life. Yeah. And his details have been better than most forwards and skaters on this team. Mm-hmm. So when... Bruce says, guy's more worried about points. It's not talking about him. Could he be talking about JT? Potentially, because habits, not great. Yeah. Bo, too, we talk about. Garland, too, at times, whatever. You know, Pearson. You know, yep. habits aren't always great or whatever they are. But I don't think, from what I understand, that JT cares too much about who likes him or who doesn't. Like, he's not upset because he's not friends with somebody on the team yeah. or whatever it is. Can I speak for all the players and say they hate each other? Or maybe some of them do or whatever it is, right? But... The bigger issue is, do you love winning more than whatever that mix is? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the question. I'm not sure they do, or they haven't shown that enough. And when you're not overcoming things, you're not showing them much unity, it becomes a very simple question to ask. And I think what Boudreaux was getting at was, do these guys care about winning and finding ways to be successful more than anything else? Is points more important to you? 
Is being buddies with guy more important to you? Or is showing up being a professional and winning hockey games and not caring about who's your friend or not? I think that's the point he wanted to make, but he didn't say it very well. No. And uh, I-, I can totally understand why people are asking the question. It's uh, w- when the coach says it, it's now free reign for everybody to give their thought and opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, he was asked a straight question about what Boudreaux, what, what, yeah. Uh, Bieksa had said about accountability and the speech he had and what he took away from it. So to be fair, it wasn't like he just kind of came out came but, out with it. But out he of could blue. shoot it down. He like, could. I, he could say, "I know what you're trying to do, and I'm not going there." Or he could have just answered, "Be like, you know what? I think it was great for him. A former player is one who's been yeah. successful to go out and give speeches, and I just hope it resonates with our guys." And I, he I, could I, could have done that. You're right, but he caught himself as well. Yeah, I I, I don't. Um, I don't want Bruce Boudreaux to be like less honest with us. I do appreciate that about him, but it it does speak to me that that he was honest about that specifically, or seemingly honest about this situation. And it does sort of play into this bigger picture thing of Bruce kind of sees where this is going, mm-hmm. and he's doing things his way if it's going to go that yeah, way. Yeah, usually what you happens. Know, yeah. uh, playing the guys he thinks he's going to, to get results with, whoever that may be in the lineup, I think we all know who it is, and making sure that that's the way this goes down. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. It is uh, Canuck Central. This has been the Mailbag.